0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 387 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show, the Irish hunter and a listener from Washington State. This is episode 387 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show, the Irish hunter and a listener from Washington State. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible.
0: Our sponsors this week are A Bed in a Box and Uncle Jimmy's. Coming up on today's show, we have a fun show planned for you today. We're going to go fox hunting in Ireland with Noel Mullins, an author over there. And then April Ashley Hardiman is going to be on with us. She's our listener highlight all the way from Washington State. And then I have a product for you in the Tack and Habit segment that we've been testing out. Actually, Scooter's been testing it. So we'll let you know whether it's Scooter approved or not. (laughs)
1: Scooter, my brother (laughs) Love that pony
2: Welcome to the Stable Scoop With weekly shows delivered right to you With Helena and Glenn the Geek Live from the stable, it's every week. They're bringing the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop comes. It's time again for stable scoop, stable scoop, stable scoop, stable scoop. Stable scoop.
1: I am Glenda Geek. And I'm Helena B. and you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. But howdy, Helena. You, you, you cut off my new opener.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I am supposed to say thanks for joining us today.
0: Oh, I, did, I didn't know that. Okay, I did see that in the show notes. I'm sorry. See, that's,
1: that's part of showing our appreciation for the fans who join us every week.
0: Uh, well, we do, th- we do appreciate you being here.
1: We do, but I like to say it.
0: Okay, so go ahead and say it.
1: Thanks for joining us today. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And we hope that you
0: are not totally blizzarded in. Uh, I know a lot of our listeners are expecting a little bit of snow over the next couple of days. And I am so glad we don't live in Pennsylvania anymore.
1: Yeah, Yeah. apparently the (laughs) Mid-Atlantic is scheduled to have um, a doozy. Yeah, some of our
0: listeners in Virginia and Maryland, they're not looking forward to... Well, we're recording this on Thursday, so by now you probably already have snow. Uh, let's just hope it's, it's not the blizzard of a century like they're calling for.
1: No, well, you know, there is, we're, we're due for the hundred year storm. And if you don't know what a hundred year storm is, Google it. It's an environmental phenomenon that does happen and it's, not unusual. It's not because of global warming or Star Wars or anything like that. Just, <laughs> it's Earth not just because goes. of Star
0: Wars. Darth no. Vader is not causing this. <laughs> it's
1: just, you know, when you think of geological time versus the time that we keep as human beings, they're very, very different. So, uh, you know, a hundred-year storm is just a drop in the bucket. It, it, it's it ha- it's often.
0: Yeah, we had so one back in 1992. Uh, When we were at our first farm and uh, we got snowed in for a week and uh, we had no heat and the the drifts were over my head. And uh, yeah, I remember we tore tore the roof off of our barn so there were pieces of metal and the snow drifts all through all the fields. So we couldn't turn the horses out for like a month and a half till the snow melted. Yeah, I know. I remember that. I remember those 100 year storms.
1: The worst part about blizzards in the winter. as opposed to blizzards in the summer, (laughs) (laughs) is, yeah,
0: yeah, they're tough, <laughs> is, too.
1: <laughs> is the manure pickup oh.
0: afterwards,
1: because it's all frozen and it's accumulated. Well, we because, couldn't, we couldn't take
0: the manure out of the barn. So what we did is pile it in the corners. And literally by the month later, it was piled to like to roof on the oh, of the corners of every stall. And we couldn't take it out because there was no place to go. There was just snow was so deep that we just had no place to go with it uh it was it was bad we actually had an inch of snow in our house that had blown in through the cracks it was an old 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 farmhouse yeah and there was an inch of snow in in the back hall behind the kitchen there was an inch of snow on the floor
1: that happens to us here in my 200 <laughs> yes your, your house, house would do that we put uh, we have um i take i have white duct tape that i put all around the front door now. You know, there's there's probably all kinds of really cool, sophisticated things. Yeah, you can you, you buy can stuff for that it. at the store. Yeah. 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 I found a roll of white duct tape. I was so excited because <laughs> my trim is all white. Oh, These,
0: there you go. It matches. That's good.
1: It matches. And you know, and it comes off. You can peel it carefully. It doesn't bother the paint or anything. And I'm like, this is my just, this is my my farm hack. And it works. <laughs> and it keeps the snows out, of, the snow out of the... Uh, and it's a heck of
0: a lot cheaper than that insulation st- stuff you buy at Home Depot.
1: It's true. And I always have a hard time putting that insulation stuff in. Like, sometimes it's foam. Sometimes it's a little strip that you put here and there. And then you close the door. And, of course, because nothing is straight in the house because it's so old, nothing lines up. So you try to put these little strips, these weather strips in, and it, it still doesn't work. So the duct tape fixes everything.
0: And you get those insulated curtains and you have all the, like every window in a house, the curtains are closed because the wind's blowing and it's cold and you never see daylight for like three days.
1: Yeah. And you know, I, my house is because I live in sort of a a beach community, a summer community, nobody's house is really perfectly winterized. You know, people, some of these houses are used for summer (laughs) residences only. And I think that's what mine was for a long time. So it's like living in a beach cottage in the middle of winter. It is living in a beach cottage. <laughs> in the
0: and and you have a guest house where we stayed and it's yes. so like above the barn. That must be really cold. <laughs> must...
1: No. no? I, well that's new because that's only 10 years old. That was uh... built by um the previous owner shortly before I bought the house. But so because it's new, it's much tighter than the than the main house. And um although it has electric heat. So it cost me a like right eight hundred
0: dollars a month if somebody's staying up there.
1: <laughs> if someone's staying there, plus you have to keep uh, those
0: pipes from freezing. So,
1: well, I yeah. do turn. There's zones, which is nice. There's it's a small little you know cottage attached to the barn, but there's zones in it, so I can do the upstairs, I can do the loft, I can do the kitchen in the barn. Actually, the kitchen in the barn does not have heat, but the hallway right next to it does. So when the pipes are likely to freeze. I leave the door open in between them, and then I turn the heat on, and that seems to have helped. But still, that cost me 50 bucks if I do it for a week. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) Fun, 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 fun. Who brings in the wood for the wood fire?
1: Uh, That's a joint effort. Sometimes Buck does it, sometimes I do it, and now we've got Grace on it.
0: Oh, yeah? You like Grace with the axe uh, split wood?
1: She doesn't split the wood, but she carries it in. We have these big heavy-duty canvas bags. So... She fills the bags with the split wood, and then we bring it in the house. Now, our house has three fireplaces, only one of which works um, because of some modifications that were made to the house in the 1950s. Um, There is a backdraft. So the two fireplaces that we can't use, unfortunately, um, it breaks my heart. So we use one, and it has a wood stove in it. So the fireplace in the dining room is a great place to store your wood. So we have a wood pile out back, we take the split wood, we put it in the fireplace that doesn't work, so it stays nice and dry, and it's easy, you know, it's convenient, and then we pop it into the wood stove as it burns down. It's a little system we got going There out. you go.
0: I remember the days of cutting wood, you know, it was kind of fun for for like the first month. And then by the third month of cutting wood for the winter, it wasn't as fun anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, when you it, when you when you when you want to and you can, it's one thing. But yes. when you have to, yes. totally different story. It's
0: a totally different story. That's right. Well, we have a fun show. Let's uh, get to it. First, I have to tell you a little bit about our brand new sponsor, Bed in a Box. You know, when you're done shoveling after a long cold blizzard in the Northeast, the one thing you want is a good night's sleep, and I I can guarantee you're going to get that when if you you have a bed in a box mattress they are the foam mattresses that you're absolutely going to love we have had ours for 8 years now and we just got a new one here about 2 months ago and we moved the old one to the spare room to to so so that's the one Helena will sleep on when she comes to visit
1: Okay. I've yeah. never even heard of Bed in a Box.
0: You're going to love it. It is the most comfortable mattress ever. You know, memory foam, you, you've seen memory foam toppers that you can put on top of a, an ordinary mattress, yeah. and they're about an inch or two thick. This whole bed is memory foam. So it's 13 inches of, of foam. And let me tell you what, they are the most wonderful things to sleep on because it contours to your body. And, you know, when you're sleeping with a, two people, that when the other person rolls over in any bed, the... Your bed moves the whole right? Mattress Wakes shapes, you up, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Don't have to worry about that anymore because when that person's rolling over, you never even know it because it's just dead. I mean, it's just because it is memory foam, they're rolling over over there, and you're not moving
1: so so does the does the memory foam? live by itself, or does it sit on top of a, a standard
0: They mattress? use several layers of different foams, but but the memory foam is like the top four inches. There's, the whole thing is foam, but oh, okay. but the uh, it's different layers of different types of foam, and the one thing they do, too, one of the complaints about memory foam early on, like eight years ago when we first got our mattress, was that they're hot in the summer. They can get hot because it is foam. And they infuse, Bed in a Box infuses their foam with this cooling gel type stuff so that you don't have that problem in the summertime anymore. And the other complaint they had was that it can get chilly in the winter. And you don't have that problem with these anymore because the, that, that stuff they infuse it with acts the opposite. Uh, yeah. So it is really just comfortable, and we love it. We, you know, And you, you can get these for like a third of the price of the really expensive alternative mattresses, and they yeah. ship it right to your house. It comes in a great big box, and you, it's about—our queen-size box was maybe six feet tall and two feet wide and you drag it into your you drag it into your bedroom and you cut the box open and you take the plastic off and the mattress goes And explodes. Like it it pops open? It pops open, and it grows over the next hour into a full-size, queen-size mattress.
1: Wow, it takes an hour to unfold?
0: You know, when we first got our first one, you weren't supposed to sleep on it for 24 hours. It took that long to unfold. But these are almost... They say by the time you make the bed, it'll be ready to sleep on now. And it is so cool. And it just eliminates all the soreness that that I have when I go to hotels now it just sucks because because you're sleeping on a regular mattress and if you're used to memory foam you don't want to go back.
1: So this is funny because I really have not I I thought that i like i laid on a couple of memory foam mattresses in the store and was like no i don't i don't really like it but i've never actually slept you have to overnight. give it a
0: week because it takes a while to get used to what you roll over the foam has wrapped around you has engulfed you by the time you roll over okay and that's why you don't get sore spots because there's nothing putting pressure points anywhere so on your elbows and your arms and your legs and your knees and all of that nothing has yeah. a pressure point because it just wraps around you so when you go to roll over it takes some getting used to and then after about a week you forget that you're that there's anything different okay but one thing you notice is when you wake up in the morning you've just slept better you just don't have the sore spots that you do with other mattresses and you've just slept better and i've Mm -hmm. tried the what are the ones that you can make the beds softer or harder uh what are those called that has the two sides number sleep number we didn't like it at all after sleeping on memory foam, we didn't like that at all because it didn't still have the the wraparound feature, you know, the the deadness to it that the memory foam has. And <laughs> Deadness. Yeah. I never thought
1: you'd use that I word know. to describe something you like. You're laying
0: on. But, uh, yeah, it's great. And it, it, the prices are great. They start at like 500 bucks, And it's just worth it. Uh, go to bedinabox.com, Check it out. There's a lot of imitators out there that have started after Bed in the Box. Yeah. You don't want one of those. And the, the two other things is a hundred 120-day, ze- six-month, zero-day risk trial. So you have six months to try it. If you don't like it, you call them up and they refund your money. So that's one thing. Hi. And then the other thing is there's a 20-year warranty on the mattresses. So if something happens within 20 years, they replace it.
1: How did you find these guys?
0: Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. Years ago, we just came across them online. And it was just when memory foam was starting to become popular and come out. Yeah. And yeah. we just found them and I ordered it. And now uh, uh, half of our family has a bed in a box. So uh, you
1: have the one with the Serenity Gel with Cool Rest. Yeah,
0: now we do. Yeah, we had that, We had the basic one to start with, and now we've upgraded. But Jennifer's mom and my brother's and, and several other family members have all ordered from them now. And okay. we have queen size, but her mom bought the king size and loves it too. She, she was so happy when we got our new one, because that means when she comes to visit, she can still sleep on memory foam uh, in this spare mm. room. And then we got to thinking about that and thought, maybe it wasn't such a good idea because they'll stay long but i i don't know i have to consider that we'll let you know how that works out <laughs> all
1: right i'm gonna she have to look listen, into this so a little fine. bit
0: bed in okay now we're coming up to, why don't you introduce our guest it was so, we actually recorded this a week ago and it was so fun
1: <laughs> I totally forgot what the show was about. I'm, I'm, I'm all wrapped up in bed in a box. <laughs> we have this week with us. I'm really excited about it because this guy is just an absolute hoot and has so much wonderful energy. His name is Noel Mullins. He's a freelance photojournalist and is the author of The Origins of Irish Horse Fairs and Horse Sales. He's gonna. Um, he has a new book out, which is why we're having him on, and it's called The Irish Hunter. And oh my god, I just this makes me want to go. Hunting everywhere in Ireland, on a high Irish hunter. So um, gosh, Noel has been everywhere. he's he um is a hunting correspondent. He's a feature writer for the Irish field. He's reported on equestrian events all over the world. His work has been published in the Farmer's Journal, Horse and Hound, Coverside magazine, Chronicle of the Horse, which everybody knows over here, um, Horse Country in America. He is definitely a very well-respected and experienced fox hunter. He hunted his own pack for years. He's hunted with just about every pack in the UK, throughout Europe, actually. So the guy knows what he's doing. He has a very unique and beautiful perspective, which he shares with the world through his camera. So he's really one of the best hunting uh, photographers that I've come across yet. So I'm really excited to talk to him. And he's just got all this wonderful energy. So let's welcome Noel Mullins. He's
0: an Irish fox hunter. What, do we need to say more, right? I
1: know. <laughs> I know, really. I could have just saved myself like five yeah, you minutes of say- it. <laughs> welcome, Noel, to the Stable Scoop radio show. I am always happy to have a fellow fox hunter online with
3: us. Welcome. But can I just say, kid, me the falcher. <laughs> Which is a hundred thousand welcomes to Ireland,
1: yeah, I like that. We'll be there. We'll be right there. we'll We'll come <laughs> over. So you have quite the history uh, with the sport of fox hunting. You are a, a freelance photojournalist. Um, so you've been following hunts um all over the place, really, but primarily in Europe. Tell us a little bit about um how you got got started hunting and then how you got into photographing the sport.
3: Um, I started, uh, I'm from Galway, uh, County Galway on the, east, on the west coast of Ireland and uh, my local pack was the Galway Blazers and uh, hunting over the stone walls, the limestone walls mm. um, and I'm hunting since I was eight years of age on my own. I think my parents came out after an hour to see that I was still there <laughs> and uh, I started with the famous Michael Dempsey uh, who was master of the Galway Blazers and still master of the Galway Blazers they go back to the early 1800s. And um, I hunted on over the stone walls. We hunted ponies. Uh, we hunted horses. We had no pony club or anything in those days. And uh, my first hunt was eight years of age, and I fell uh, on the avenue of Willie Lee's Darkfield Horse Museum. And uh, I had just delivered the milk for... A local man, I used to deliver the milk on a pony and Dray, and the deal was that I'd get the pony uh, for hunting if I delivered the milk. So I used to rush out to the meets, uh as quick as I could against a long, what we call the Long Acre, which is the stretch of grass along the side of the road. Um, mm-hmm. So I gr- went from there then, hunted horses, um, hacked horses to meats before we had uh, trailers, Yep. I used to hack three horses, sit one in the middle, and we often hack 20 miles to a meet and 20 miles home. You uh, find they're very and, well
1: behaved after that, don't you?
3: <laughs> oh, you do. Well, I suppose there was less traffic on the road at that stage, and uh, we hacked back in the dark. We wouldn't get back till nine or half past nine at night, um, but uh, we were we were just so enthusiastic. A friend of mine, uh, we, we, we would have done anything just to sit on the horse and mm. and. We'd often wait until about one o'clock until some of the adults that they were hired to got tired, and uh, we get to hunt. And um, I remember hunting, John Houston, the famous film director, came to Ireland, and I often hunted with his horse because when he was away filming, he wasn't as fit when he came back, and uh, he would hunt for about an hour, and I used to. Uh, to shorten the stirrup leathers because he had a very short, long leg, and uh, I was away over the stone walls as quick as i could
4: that's awesome I, went from there to, to, uh,
3: I moved to the east coast and I hunted hounds here uh, and whipped in for twenty seasons to another pack and I hunted two packs on foot as well, two beagle packs on foot as well so uh, i've been hunting since then, but'm writing i 'm writing for thirty odd years for um the Irish field here in Ireland I write for coverside sometimes in America I've written for Fox Hunting Life for Holland's magazine and I'm doing a photo shoot oh. on Tuesday with the Galway blazers for horse and hound
1: wow that's so you're a busy guy
3: uh, I'm still busy probably doing too much but I, I love what I do
1: I I can hear the 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 joy in your voice as you're talking yeah. about this. It it's it's palpable. So yeah. you have um you've written a couple of books or you've you've published a few books and your most recent one is the one that we're gonna talk about today, which is titled The Irish Hunter, an exceptional horse across any country. Tell us about That's that.
3: Right. Um I, I have a, a a big database of um I've been photographing Hunts for the last thirty years and there were a lot of photographs that hadn't been seen because we would publish maybe with each article two or three photographs, but I had a lot of jumping shots. And I wanted to kind of uh, to show people around the world what an Irish hunter, which is not a breed, it's, it's a class, um, it's a type, uh, because it's a cross between an Irish draft horse the modern Irish draft and a thoroughbred or a Connemara pony or vice versa Um, and that's what it is it's not an actual breed uh, in itself but a type now um, they're endangered species here in Ireland because last year I think 400 foals were registered and um, because there's a lot of emphasis on show jumping and on eventing but the Irish hunter is probably you've probably come across McKinley, who uh, won a silver medal for the U.S. in Beijing, who was an Irish hunter,
4: yes. uh, produced
3: by Chris Ryan, the master of the Scar teams in, in Limerick on the west of Ireland. Here, so they are a fantastic animal. But I I decided what I do was I show the gene pool first of all, which was the Irish draft, the thoroughbred, half bred, three quarter bred, Connemara pony, and Connemara thoroughbred cross. And then go on from there and talk about how the breed of the Irish Draft, or how the type of the Irish Draft came along, how how it was bred. Uh, Because we go back to about 1400 BC and my previous book of the first hunting in Ireland, which was on foot uh, on the Hill of Tara, because people used to get together for the races, for short races around villages. And uh, they'd also bring their hounds and have a hunt and compete with each other. So I have photographs of the Irish um, hunter jumping storm walls, uh, double banks, uh, high tensile wire, uh, metal barriers, gates. Uh, I even have them jump in a church pew that I came across when I was covering a hunt in, in Whitlow, which is on the <laughs> east coast of Ireland. And um, I also have them jumping a bedpost, because very often bedposts uh, were put in gaps in the Irish countryside. You know, we weren't probably as uh, diligent as some of the U.S. uh, farmers that uh, if a pallet or a bedpost uh, filled the gap, well, we're quite content, you know.
1: Wow. (laughs) You know,
3: I I mean, these horses are exceptional. I mean, they don't walk the course. When we're hunting, we hunt over everything you get from A to B. Um, you can't have second flight or third flight here in Ireland because, uh, we, we've a lot of small farms. I mean, there could be 50, 60, 70 acres, 150 acres would be a big farm here. Yeah. And, uh, you're jumping from one farm into another. Um, so you're going all day. You're going from 11 o'clock in the morning off until five in the evening and not alone have these Irish hunters stamina, but they have exceptional athletic ability as well.
1: So you can just some, kind of sit back, grab some mane and let them do their job.
3: Exactly. And uh, Jack Lambert, who is a, a very good friend of mine, he he, he has Irish draft stallions and he, he's 84 and he's hunting his Irish draft stallions twice a week. At the moment, I've just done a feature on him uh, for a publication on Saturday and uh, I asked him one time in terms of temperament, which is very important, uh, especially for novice riders or for hobby riders that have to go and do a job on, on the following Monday, uh, how he would describe his, his famous Irish draft style and Grange bouncer. And he said, if he stood in your toe, he'd nearly apologize.
1: Oh gosh. (laughs) Oh, it's so true. (laughs) So do you, do you, have you had much experience with Americans coming over to Ireland and and hunting? And, and what's your take on that? Um, what do you notice about uh, the, the Americans in the saddle versus the Irish in the saddle?
3: Uh, they're probably better dressed. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> they're uh, more polite, probably. <laughs> uh, uh, and a lot of them are very good riders. Uh, I think the, the, the Americans we get over here are, are good riders. Some of them would, you know, they have, it's like the, um, they've always wanted to hunt in Ireland. And even some of them that might not be as good a writers, it will be on the bucket list, say, to hunt with the gold blazers or with the limerick foxhounds or are that at least once and yeah. if they survive that well they're happy but we depend on the americans a lot to buy horses over the years as well too and sometimes they come here and they buy horses and and they take them home and uh i've come across one of the things i've done actually last february i went to uh, south carolina to the uh, low country. Um, Middleton Place. Uh, anywhere there are Irish bred horses I go to. And I have them featured in the book. I have uh, them featured in, um, in the Cheshire in Pennsylvania, in Millbrook in New York. Uh, I go to uh, Genesee Valley. There's some Irish uh, hunters there. And um, down in Maryland with the Green Spring Valley, there are Irish hunters there. And there are Irish hunters down in Florida, with the West Palm Beach as well. So I've taken photographs. I will go anywhere to take photographs of Irish hunters. I even went to the Czech Republic there last year as well. And I took some, uh, and a private hunt, uh, of, uh, four or five, I think it was Irish hunters that, uh, they had bought there.
1: It's a unique, um, you know, a solid field hunter is an extraordinarily unique, creature. And, um, I'm, I'm sort of like, I'm biting my nails and I'm wiggling around in my seat because as the more you talk about this type of horse, the more I want to have one at home in my backyard. You know, and the reason I ask you about, um, your take on Americans riding in Ireland is because there's this sense of, so I've never ridden in Europe. I've never hunted in Europe, but I would love to, um, and but I think to a certain extent we we are coddled here in America. We do have second flight, we do have third flight, which is great. I, I think we need that. Um, but there's something about the idea of sitting on um, an Irish hunter who you can trust to take you through to take you out of your comfort zone, um, and then help you turn that outside of your comfort zone into your comfort zone. If you're following along, um, so you know, getting an American over to Uh, Ireland, sitting on one of these horses and then bringing them back, bringing that, that superhero power back to the United States. Does that happen?
3: Oh, it does happen. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people in fairness, they they would come over. I met them down in Limerick actually, when I did my uh, book signing and in in November, Um, who were out hunting with the Limerick Harriers. There were a number of uh, Americans there. There was some from the Midland down in Georgia and uh, the, the one thing you can be assured of, if you hire, you'll be hiring a horse that has carried people of all different abilities, um, and you're, you're looked after really. Uh, that the horse does the job as long as you don't interfere too much, because they they know their job. Yeah. Um, now, are the horses going back in the same numbers as a few years ago? Uh, they're not. Um, there are a number of horses going back to the States, but one of the the obstacles really is the transport cost. It costs about eight thousand um to to ship a horse uh to America and that's on top of your purchase price. But then I just saw there where there was a warm blood hunter, um that max it had ever jumped was one hundred ten and it was being sold for thirty five thousand in the US, you know, so wow. An Irish horse can make big money there if you find the right one. Helena, and
1: just is that
0: the
3: one you just bought, I mean, Helena? There are Irish horses all over the world, Helena. Really, you know? Yeah. What's
1: that, Glenn?
0: Is that the one you just bought? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you
3: know well, what? Funny enough, my second book there on the Irish horse first, I dedicated it to uh, the best hunter I ever rode, uh, a horse called Walter. I bought down in Wexford and uh, uh there was a lady uh, martha woodham she she does the book reviews for a coverside, and she said that she's reviewed lots of books over the years, but she's never uh reviewed a book that was dedicated to a horse <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh she said it was worth buying for the dedication alone, which is a very nice compliment
1: <laughs> well i'm I'm kind of um now, Glenn, I think we're going to need to do a little trip. I think we're going to need to do a company oh, no, trip. you would be
3: very welcome, and I can assure you, I, I, I'll make sure that uh, you'll have a horse that will carry you safely. And uh, I, you probably, I, I probably, because you jump a lot of uprights there. That's why people come to Galway um, or come to Clare because there are upright fences. Whereas if you go to the East Coast, you're looking at big yawning ditches and double banks. They're a different kettle of fish completely.
1: Oh, yeah. I've seen some videos. (laughs)
3: I've
1: seen some some videos. Uh, You know, I think, again, um, well, I have a comfort zone, but I think I would trust... a well-made field hunter to take me out of that and and have a little extra fun. So, um, and you have a couple of other books, so we're going to, we're going to wrap this up. I could probably talk to you for hours, but the most recent one is the Irish hunter. You have two others, which are available for sale on your website. I would highly recommend them. Um, your photographs are, are beautiful and, but more importantly, your point of view is something that I've not seen in other, uh, photo journals or, um, photography books You have a spectacular point of view from the field, um, both leading it and being a part of it. So uh, definitely check out Noel's website. It's noelmullins.com, N O E L, Emma's and Mary, L I N S. And of course, we will put a link to that on the Stable Scoop show notes. Neil, uh, Noel, I'm thrilled that you you joined us. Uh, Maybe you'll come back again in the
3: future I'd love to I'm just looking at some stories here that I could tell you the next time you know um, particularly I'll tell you one quick one is uh, Teddy Ryan the master of scar teams, he emigrated to New Zealand with his wife who was born there and on the plane he took two terriers and uh, there were happened to be three Angora 300 Angora rabbits in the hold as well so the terriers got out of <laughs> the cage. Oh, no. And they attacked the Angora rabbit. Oh, and Teddy no. said it was the first recorded hunt at 34,000 feet. <laughs> <laughs> jeez. He, he was very proud of the fact. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, my boy. <laughs>
4: uh, well
3: thank you Noel (laughs) (laughs) because we meet at pubs (laughs) that's right that's where all the best hunting happens we have breakfast but it's in (laughs) a glass
0: we'll put a link to
3: (laughs) (laughs) we'll
0: put a link to his website (laughs) too you gotta get this book check it out thanks (laughs) a bunch take care
3: (laughs) okay thank you all the best bye bye Bye. Bye
2: Hello folks, Uncle Jimmy here and welcome to the world of Uncle Jimmy brand products where funny names mean serious products. Featuring Uncle Jimmy's Squeezy Buns, the squeezably soft hand treat that your horse will love, the award-winning Uncle Jimmy's Hangin' Balls, Uncle Jimmy's Sugar-Free Ball, the incredible Licky Thing, also in Sugar-Free, the amazing Uncle Jimmy's Pecker Wrecker, and the Big Licky. The infamous Uncle Jimmy Hanging Ball was first designed by me for my own horses to help reduce the bad habits which come from stall boredom. It now can be found around the world. This nutritious, flavored, filled boredom buster will help keep your horses occupied and happy around the clock. Properly hung, it will last for weeks, provided you don't let your horse pin it, and Uncle Jimmy knows who you are. The ball comes in four flavors. Apple, carrot, peppermint, molasses, and now sugar free. Once again, welcome to the world of Uncle Jimmy's brand products where funny names mean serious products and satisfaction is 100% guaranteed.
1: It is the year of the listener. And now, our Stable Scoop Listener of the Week. Up next, we have my favorite segment of the new format. It's the Listener Interview. And today we welcome April Hardiman, and she is from Washington State. Um, she's a payroll specialist and she has horses, but you're going to have to listen to the interview to find out what kind of horses and what kind of riding she does. So, this is part of. Again, the new format for 2016, the Year of the Listener, where we hear from our fans, our subscribers, our auditors, and our listeners. So welcome, April, to the Stable Scoop Show. I am super excited to have you here. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on the show. So you live in Washington State. And now, of course, I live in New England, and everybody thinks, well, that's cold and, and like in the wintertime. But Washington State, like to me, that's even colder. What, what, how is it? Is it sunny there? Is it snowing?
5: Uh, well, I'm on the West coast um, and my husband is uh, stationed at Fort Lewis. We're actually from Georgia, but right now we're in Washington and it's super rainy all the time and cloudy and coldness. It's not too bad. It's like in the fifties most of the time, but I despise the rain.
1: (laughs) Oh, do you have your horse with you or?
5: Yes, I have my horse with me. I got him shipped out a few more months after we moved up here, so.
1: How long will you be um, in in Washington?
5: Uh, Probably till the fall.
1: Oh, okay. So there's an end in sight.
5: Yes.
1: (laughs) Do you know where where you're going to be after that?
5: Uh, No, he's just now starting to get his reenlistment stuff set up. So
1: hopefully we'll know in the next few months. And hopefully it's someplace warm and sunny. Yes. Or dry and sunny, I should say. Dry and sunny. Yes, yes, for sure.
0: Well, if you end up in Alaska, we know some people up there with horses. We can get you fixed up.
5: <laughs> My friend's actually stationed up there too, so she has her horses, and she like it, she has to always ice pick the poop out of the pasture. She says it's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> get her a flexing fork. Yeah, we, yeah. She, she,
0: she needs a metal fork. Is what she
5: needs. <laughs> really? Yeah.
0: Well, right, b- so- before you go on though, let me ask a little bit about hubby. So, tell us a little bit about him. What's what's his specialty?
5: Uh, he's a mechanic in the army, and uh, I guess for horse wise, he we met. Um, he was hanging out with some of my barn friends, and he wanted to learn how to ride, so he started coming around the barn, and that's how we started dating, and then um, I guess he just kind of got pushed into the horses and he's slowly learning how to ride now. Like he's starting, he wanted to get into
1: cutting. So we've been doing some cutting lessons. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. So you're, you're a payroll specialist. Um, mm-hmm. you work nine to five.
5: Uh, I actually work like four to two, four AM to 2 PM.
2: Oh because, girl. Uh,
5: four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's why I'm always listening to this show live. Cause I can, because I'm already up, but All right uh, now,
1: I get up at the crack of dawn, and everybody's like, "Oh, what's the matter with you but i you you definitely got me beat, so are you do you have the energy at three o'clock in the afternoon, four o'clock in the afternoon to go ride your horse, and if so, is yes, that what so you I do? get off
5: work yeah, I get off work right away and then or right away I head to the barn and just ride him and then go home and rest, <laughs> so it works, he's on the way home, so
1: at least it's still light out when you go, you know, yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. It's hard when mm-hmm. it's
1: dark in wintertime, yeah, yeah, all right. so you so tell us about your horse. Do you have one, two?
5: Uh, I currently have one. He's a five year old paint horse. Uh, I've had him since he was I've had him as mine since he was ten months, but I was there when he was born. Uh, I've done pretty much all the training on him, and um, I guess we've we've competed in western dressage. And uh, we've, I did a lot of in-hand trail when he was younger and a lot of in-hand stuff. So when it was time to break them and ride them, it'd be a lot easier, hopefully. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to get into mounted shooting and actually some mounted archery this year. So we've lined oh, up for cool. some clinics. Very yeah, cool. I'd love to do that. So <clears throat> we're excited to do that, or we'll see if he's excited. Hopefully being by the military base has helped with the gunfire. <laughs>
0: Well, now that I've actually seen some Western dressage, because Jennifer decided to do that, it wasn't quite mm-hmm. as boring as I thought it would be.
5: <laughs> <Mm-mm>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> does
0: does 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 uh, your husband go watch?
5: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He's an awesome show husband. He helps hold the horse when I need some help, or he has the groom bag with him. He's really good at it, and he like, knows what needs to be done before I even ask. So oh, You really found helpful.
0: a good groom there. Wow, <laughs>
5: Yeah.
0: You're lucky they're not all like that. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, I know. Very yeah.
1: Simple. What a sweetheart. So mm-hmm. you're sort of convincing him to start riding. You're you're gradually introducing. Mm-hmm. Do you think he has potential to be fully afflicted by the... Oh, addiction?
5: yeah. Oh, definitely. He's always like, we need to get a horse, we need to get a horse. I'm like, let's do some more lessons, you know. Because I'll try to teach him, but it just doesn't work well with me trying to teach him. So nah, that like, never no, we we teach that, <laughs> yeah. that never yeah, works. We tried that too.
0: That never works. Got to stay out of it. Yeah, we tried yeah. Jennifer giving me lessons, and then it it was better that one of her students that did lessons for little kids. Uh, I got uh-huh. I, it was better for her to do it than than for Jennifer. It and just Jennifer, doesn't work. Okay. You got to have a special yeah. relationship for that to work.
1: <laughs> yeah, but he yeah, seems to it's, have it's, a good sense of adventure and and wants to get yeah. into it. So mm-hmm. speaking of adventure, what's the most adventurous place that you've ever ridden a horse?
5: Um, I would say Whidbey Island. It's um, right out of Seattle. And my friend came down from Alaska. And one day we decided to like, let's go do a trail ride. And she found um, one on Whidbey Island. And it was the day of the Kentucky Derby. And uh, they ended up having a racetrack. And it was like a nice Arabian barn. But for some reason, they had this huge racetrack on their property. And she's like, okay, well, I trust y'all are good riders, so go ahead and take off. So we ran around this full cool racetrack. Oh, that's cool. That, <laughs> yeah, and then after that, we went to the restaurant and watched the race on TV. So it was a pretty cool day. So. Oh, that's neat. That's, yeah.
0: That's, that's very cool. Now, when you were growing up, was it all quarter horses, all Western, or was there some English thrown in?
5: Oh, oh, I actually, my first saddle was a dressage saddle in uh, I would go to like regular English classes and be like, why do I have a dressage? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I started out English and then transferred to Western, um, cause of the type of horse I had and he was just like not really built to do any English.
0: So, and, but, and I have to ask everybody, how did you hear about the horse radio network?
5: I actually started listening for, uh, women in uh, rodeo. Oh,
0: is that right? So it hasn't been too long ago. <laughs>
5: Mm-mm, not too long ago.
0: Wow. I didn't realize that I think that it was
5: actually... I. Sorry. I think I saw y'all at the Road of the Horse a couple times because we've, my mom and I have gone like two or three times now, and I just never clicked with it. But then um, when I was seeing all the posts from Heather, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll have to listen to it. And then I got hooked.
0: <laughs> well, well, that we're glad you got hooked, and you became an auditor since then too, right?
5: hmm
0: Yes. Well, cool. Well, we appreciate that as well. We'll talk a little bit more about that. I wanted to mention, being that you said Road to the Horse, we've just confirmed today, actually, that we will be at Road to the Horse again this year. Uh, Mary Kitzmiller, who you know from Road to the Horse, Uh uh, will be co-hosting with me. And uh, Tootie, who runs Road to the Horse, has asked the Horse Radio Network and and, uh, myself and Mary to do the first ever live coverage of the finals on Sunday. So oh, we'll be wow. doing play, radio play-by-play of a very visual event. Uh, but then again, they do radio on football and baseball and stuff, too. So we'll be kind uh-huh. of doing that. We'll be live four hours on Sunday. It'll be the only way people can get uh, live action and find out what's happening in the finals on Sunday of Road to the Horse will be listening to us. So, wow. and, and Mary, of course, has competed Road to the Horse, so she can actually talk intelligently about it. And I will be there <laughs> to talk about the food and, you know, the usual stuff. Stuff I do, um, but I, I, you know, when Tootie called, it was funny. Helena, when Tootie called, and she's the one that organizes and has run road to the horse since the beginning. She called and said, Glenn, I want you to do it. And I said, why the hell do you want me to do it? I'm <laughs> trained to, I've trained. never trained a horse in my yeah. life, she said, but we need it to be entertaining. And I said, well, then we got to get somebody actually knows what they're doing, too. And that's why, Mary, that's why Mary's going to be there. Uh, so, that's awesome. So I provide the that's last. Exciting. She provides the serious, and we should have a good shelf. So that's the first time. Yeah. We're very excited about it.
5: That is exciting. Yep.
0: So you'll be able that's to be really at home exciting. and still get the flavor of Road to the Horse and, and hear the action and all the crowd and the whole thing. So, yeah, I was really disappointed that we weren't going this year because I was like, I want to go see
5: everybody, Clay Anderson, and then I guess Craig Cameron is the host this year.
0: So, that's all. right. Yep. That's right. And, <laughs> and, uh, actually, somebody, uh, um, oh, what's his name? I've totally lost now. Winters. Um,
5: Or Richard Winters? Richard
0: Winters. Jeez sorry, Richard. Uh, so Richard Winters, who we've had on this show and Helena will remember, we absolutely loved having him on this show. Yeah, He was and awesome. He's competing this year. Uh, so yeah, I saw that. yeah, so he'll be competing against, uh, against Clinton Anderson and that should be a good showdown. He's been the announcer oh, yeah. for the last four years. So it should be a lot of fun to watch. And, uh, we hope that you guys all listen in on, uh, on the horse radio network. So that, I, I'm very excited that actually you started with, uh, Road to the horse because we've been gone there for now a couple of years. Uh,
5: yeah, we're really, I, I was really bummed that we weren't going this year because I was like, oh, it looks like it's going to be so much fun. You used to live year, closer here.
0: though when you lived in Georgia.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I flew out last year and I drove up with my mom because she really wanted to go. So that's why we ended up going last year. Did we meet yeah. you
0: there? Did I meet you?
5: Oh, um, I don't think I actually stopped by the radio booth that we okay. were just all
0: over the place doing all of the crazy things, so... Well, I wanted to also mention then uh, that if you're a Stacy Westfall fan, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, you have to listen to last week's Dressage radio show because she has now moved to Lexington, Kentucky, and get this, Helena is taking a Dressage lessons with I
1: Reese. I saw that. I yes. saw that. Reese
0: like, is her so instructor. Cool. And Reese is now taking reigning lessons from Stacy. so... It's an that's interesting dynamic cool. there, and it Somebody was.
1: Somebody a... needs to move to Rhode Island. All the <laughs> good people move to Kentucky and Florida. All the all cool right. people. All the cool <laughs> people or California. Well, that's so awesome.
0: Why do you like Are being you an auditor? Like- by the way.
1: Um, I just
5: like all all the team in the group. Uh, everybody's just really supportive and always positive. Uh, and then you always kind of get. Um, the first bit of maybe something's about to happen, and or that you're always asking us questions like, "What should we ask everybody?" It's pretty, we're, and then we're like actually involved in the
1: show. So It's a lot of fun. And what, it is a very positive group.
0: It is. I have mm-hmm. never seen such a positive. Fa- I've. I'm not. I'm in about a hundred Facebook groups, and I know you are too, Helena. I've never seen one where there's like no negativity, and there isn't the one jerk in the group. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there isn't in this group. It really is. Yeah. It's, and you know why I think that is, is because, you know, and for those that don't know what we're talking about, to become an auditor of the Horse Radio Network, you have to at least contribute a dollar a month, uh, and that makes you an auditor. But most auditors do $10, 5 10 $25 a month, and they just are giving back to the shows. Half of that money goes out to the hosts, which I know Helena really appreciates, um, mm-hmm. and, and all the hosts do. They, we split it up among the hosts, and every little bit helps when you're doing this, and that one of the key things they get the blooper reels and all that but i think and tell me if i'm wrong it's a facebook group that everybody is really latched on to that closed group
5: yep oh yeah
0: yes. i love it yeah so if you want to become an auditor just head over to Stablescoop.com and click on the banner in the middle of the page there well helena would you like to ask the rapid fire questions i would
1: end. these are so much fun okay are you ready right. april Sure. Sure. They're easy. They're easy. I'll go. I'll go easy on you. Okay. What is your favorite food? My favorite food is tacos. Mm,
0: (laughs) You lived in the right place (laughs) in Georgia.
1: What's your least favorite food? Uh, Eggs. Oh, really? Eggs.
0: I think that's the first person I've ever heard that doesn't like eggs. (laughs)
1: Like the texture
5: and the smell, I can't stand.
1: Oh, yeah, you the smell I
5: can see getting get to yeah. you.
1: What is your biggest equestrian pet peeve?
5: Um, personal space. Um, I really like having my own bubble. I like the horse in my personal space.
4: Oh, I so thought I'm you met with other people. After my mom. <laughs> from,
1: I' it's thought like, you met you know with what? other of course, people she's kind of
5: always walking on her, and I'm like, no, don't let her walk
1: on you. Whichever so. one she wants it, it applies to both. Because it's
0: <laughs> national yeah. Hugging day, so that's why yeah. I that, yeah, I thought, well, I'm not hugging her
1: <laughs> I'm gonna go hug my horses. They're all fat and dirty though. All right, um, who is your favorite professional equestrian? uh Lisa Wilcox? Oh, yeah, oh, Lisa's great. I've heard of Lisa. Yeah, I know she's Lisa. great. Rock on. What yeah, I profession- used to work for Horses Daily. Oops, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 <laughs> tell us more. Tell us a little
5: bit. Uh, I used to work for our Horses Daily and Dressage Daily with Mary Felt. Oh, you did? We would. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And I uh, we, I got to meet her at one of the competitor events, and she was just so down to earth. And um, we were talking about young horses, and that was when I was about to train my horse, and she gave me tons of tips, and it was just so helpful. So.
1: Oh, I love those serendipitous meetings and you you just you run into somebody who is this like walking encyclopedia of knowledge. And they're, mm-hmm. I would say most of the time they're so willing to share that with you. But when you get someone who's mm-hmm. like you really you, you get that they they want like I don't know, I'm not going to find the right words for this. They really want you to succeed and they get energized and jazzed up by sharing their little tips with you. Yeah, It just makes a lasting impression. And
0: she is really down to earth. We've had her on the, you know, done interviews with her in the past. And you, if, for those that don't know, she's a top uh, flight dressage rider. Um, so she just has, uh, she's been great. I mean, and, and it, she's fun to listen to too. And, and, and oh, can yeah. I add from the guy in the group? Absolutely beautiful. We'll throw that in too. <laughs> so, so there you the go, Lisa. Outside.
1: The funny outside. <laughs> All right. So Lisa Wilcox is your favorite pro. What profession? See, now where does she live? She's in Kentucky. She was from California, but I don't know where she's living. She goes to Florida a lot during Wellington. Yeah,
0: I think she's probably in Wellington right now and then goes to Europe a lot too.
1: So Mm -hmm. suffice it to say, she's not in Rhode Island. Mm -mm. All the good ones. Nobody's in Rhode Island. I know. (laughs) Um, It's a beautiful state, all you professionals out there. It really is. There's lots of open space. It's a great place. There are beautiful beaches. All right. Great tax programs. Um, what profession other than the one you have now or a professional as a professional horseman, what profession would you like to attempt?
5: Uh, this one was tough for me. <laughs> um, I guess I would just like to work. I don't know. I have no idea. It was hard for me to even think about this question.
1: Um, well, what did you want to be when you grew up? If someone asked you as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? What, what did you say?
5: I wanted to be a vet, <laughs> but I just really wanted to work and uh, do like kind of like bookkeeping and stuff for the horse industry. That's what I've always wanted to kind of do. But I'm
1: working on that goal still. So <laughs> well, good for you. So, so, you wanted to be around horses. like right? yeah. see that's hard, yeah. Glenn. You can't rip us away from this. No,
0: job. and you know what? All us hor- <laughs> I know a lot of horse people that need a better bookkeeper. So there you go.
1: Yeah, and that's <laughs> why I was like
5: wanted to do it. So
1: cool. All right. Um, if you won a million dollars, where would you go on your first trip? Ireland. Good choice. Mm, good maybe choice. you'd go fox hunting on an Irish hunter.
0: <laughs> there you go.
1: Um, apparently, they take really good care of you. So. Yeah. <laughs> now, think about it. What, what is your favorite celebratory word or phrase?
5: I, everybody picks at me. I like to say the word groovy all the time for everything.
0: Were you born yeah. in the 70s or what? <laughs> no.
5: <laughs> it's a throwback. That's how she I use that. with me and I just always say it and it drives my family crazy so I say it even more. <laughs> <laughs> groovy. I'm
1: going to say it just to piss everybody <laughs> kind off. I haven't heard that
0: for 30 yeah. years. Okay.
1: Groovy. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. What is the most terrifying thing you've ever done and would you do it again?
5: Well, when I was younger, I had to completely travel to like Australia completely by myself and it was just really terrifying at that time but I mean now it wouldn't be terrifying but I was like in eighth grade and I think that's the most terrifying thing it's just that's a, a long a way, way to go yourself. by yourself
1: <laughs> yes. you wait you, wait hold on a minute you went to Australia by yourself in eighth grade yeah I had a but it
5: was I was meeting a group once I got there was, like people to people sports ambassador I went for bowling and everything it's just The initial flight out, I was all by myself, so
1: it was a little intimidating. That's scary, yeah. Yeah. Do you have some kind of, are you like a really good bowler or something?
5: I I was when I was younger. I haven't bowled in a while. I was bowling like in 200s, (sighs) 213s.
1: Okay. Horses are much more fun. So Sorry. I guess bowling my ninety average is not That's as what happened good compared to. Common story. We hear it all the time. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> um yeah, maybe you could fly to Australia again, like to do some kind of outback safari thingy on horseback. Yeah.
5: Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs>
0: Now in Australia, I got to ask this question. In Australia, so the toilets flush the opposite direction. Do the bo- does the do the pins like go in the opposite? Anything different with the pins?
5: No, but you have to say ten pin bowling because there's a different bowling. There's a yard bowling, and it's pretty popular in Australia and New Zealand. And we had to always say ten pin bowling.
0: Oh, see That's the things we learn on this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, two more questions.
1: Two more questions. Okay, they are. Uh, if you could have just one superhero power, what would it be? Uh, flying.
0: Good choice.
5: Like uh- I don't
1: like
0: that's, traffic, so I would like to fly. There
1: you go. <laughs> flying good is a good superhero power for those of us. who You notice she didn't
0: say I, I'd like to fly because I could save people. No, I just want to avoid traffic. <laughs>
1: traffic. I totally don't blame you. I get it. That's a pretty good one too. S- I, I screw the I, rest I, of you.
0: I'm not saving anybody. I'm just getting to work faster.
1: <laughs> but that's so. We've had we've had two listener interviews so far, and both of them chose flying as their superhero power. That's true. Oh, that's yeah. funny. That's true. <laughs> you know, and I have to say. Like, there's a little something in the adrenaline rush of flying that we do get in the saddle. You know, I think this may Mm -hmm. be a theme. I'm not sure. We'll have to see how it plays out.
5: I was training. I've been training my horse how to do flying weight changes. So every time he changes, I'm like, I feel like I'm flying.
1: (laughs) It's a little like it gives you like the fluffies in your stomach. You know, like when you're driving in the car and you go over those dips. That's You know, that's how I feel when I ask the canner. (laughs) okay Okay. let me
0: ask the last question because you screw it up every time she doesn't understand this question
1: every time i did it once
0: (laughs) so if your horse could talk and you could ask him one question and one question only what would you ask um do i
5: drive you crazy (laughs) no that's what you ask
0: your husband not your horse uh and he can answer that really uh but no okay do i drive you crazy oh that's interesting yeah
5: my horse always likes to he's like i'll do something with him and he does this takes a huge deep sigh, like, are you serious? Like, do we have to do this right now? It's all the time. Even when he was young and he always did it. I was like, okay, sorry, I'm driving you
0: crazy. That's good. That's interesting. Good question. Mm. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. April Hardiman, do you mind if I use Mm -hmm. your picture from your Facebook page as the picture for our show notes today?
5: Oh, I don't mind at all.
0: And that is your paint horse, I assume, that's in that picture, Mm -hmm. King? Okay, Mm -hmm. so we'll post Mm -hmm. that on our uh, Facebook page, and we'll also post it in our show notes for today's show. Thank you so much, April.
1: Thanks, April. It was nice to get to know you. Nice to meet you, too.
0: Well, our product of the week is something that I've been testing for the last week and it was sent to me to test out because they knew I had a wild hackney pony that likes to get his lips and feet into everything. <laughs> and one of the things that when you have a wild hackney pony is we use those those rubber feeders you put on the ground because our horses are out 24-7. So when we feed them their grain, we use the rubber feeders. You put them on the ground, right? And they just... Inevitably, my pony will take and knock it over, and all the grain goes onto the ground.
1: Yeah, yeah. They stand he, in it, they oh. squish it.
0: And you know they're great and everything, but they are squishable. And I don't—I haven't met a horse yet that doesn't like to paw at it. And you know why they like to eat it off the ground—I don't know, but they do. So, and then you <laughs> probably where
1: they eat. are probably from wasting, the but blend. you're probably
0: wasting about what twenty percent of your grain because it gets into the sand and dirt, and they never eat it.
1: That's true. And that's if true. you're
0: uh, feeding expensive supplements, that's a problem, right? Because you don't sure how much of the supplement they're getting. And I think sometimes they knock it over because they don't like the supplement is why they're doing it.
1: I think they're just excited. It's enthusiasm that gets them into trouble.
0: Well, there is a solution to that problem now. This woman contacted me uh, from a company that sells what's called the Rocking Horse Feeder. It just came out. You're hearing about it here first. Literally has just come out. And I said, well, this sounds like a strange concept. Why don't you send me one, and we'll have Scooter try it out. Well, Scooter hasn't been able to knock his feet on the ground ever since we got this thing. (laughs) It is a bucket that's rounded. Everything on it is rounded. And it is rounded in such a way that they were able to put a weight on the bottom of the bucket. And so it's a feed bucket. It weighs 18 pounds. So this is a heavy feed bucket. It weighs like 10 pounds plus. And I know, 10 pounds for a feed bucket. But it's weighted on the bottom, So and it's rounded in such a way. It's perfect design. It's rounded in such a way that when they go to knock it over, it just pops right back up. It's like, what are those weebly wobbly things you had when you were a kid? You could Weebles. Weebles. Weebles And you try to knock them down, and they just pop back back up? Yeah,
1: yeah. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall fall down. down. It's the
0: same with this bucket. It's the exact same thing. And the way it works is there's a lip at the top, yeah. so that it the lip comes over the top and into the bucket a little bit, but it's all rounded so that there's nothing to hurt a horse. So when they knock it over, the grain doesn't fall out of the bucket. It gets caught in the lip and then it pops back up and the grain goes back down to the bottom. So there's no waste at all.
1: This is awesome.
0: And believe me, my pony gave it a workout. He was beaten on it. He actually tried to, he, he tries to take everything in his lips and pick it up and throw it. Yeah. And <laughs> such a, such a nudge. <laughs> Easy.
1: He's a pony. <laughs> yeah,
0: so he grabbed it. Well, it's eighteen pounds, so he can't lift it up, right? And he he just plays with it. He was beating it with it with his feet. These are tough. It's constructed of a quarter inch thick food grade uh, poly polyethylene. Okay. And it's weighted on the bottom. It actually has a nine pound black enamel painted coat disc on the bottom that's attached to the outer surface of the bucket. Okay. So when that's what creates the not fall over, you know, pop back up effect, Yep, uh, it seems to be durable. They say it's going to last eight, it would last eight years in the Arizona sun because of the, what it's made of and the ultraviolet uh, coating on it.
1: That's a big deal.
0: Yeah. So this is going to last a long time. It'll take 45 foot pounds of impact. I mean, they really have to jump up and down on this thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and he had Wish his feet in Wish it and everything. And I got to tell you, I was a little skeptical before we got it, uh, but it really works. It just works. It just works as it's advertised to work. So if you're looking for something that's going to save grain and and I think more importantly the supplement issue I brought up, right? Yeah. That yeah. if it gets on the ground, you're guaranteed they're not eating the powdered supplement. So this solves that problem. Every time they go buy it, they stop just like other feed buckets, and they take a look at it. Now my pony plays with it every time because it's like a toy. <laughs> uh, and so you got a toy effect. Yeah, that's-
1: <laughs> well, that's fine if it slows his eating down. If he's like too busy playing with it, it's that's It's just okay.
0: the coolest. I've never seen anything. I don't think there is anything like it.
1: No. I thought when I for, when I first saw it in the show notes, I thought it was a hanging bucket. And I was like, all no, right, you big do. deal. We've well, got and that's the stuff.
0: other thing. It's being shown now that you should not use hanging buckets to feed your horses. Because Why? horses, if you think about their natural food, is on the ground. That's the way their body is made to eat, is off the ground. So there's a lot of studies now that are showing If you put a bucket in the middle way up the wall, that they're not made to eat with their head up that high and it causes some eating problems and things. And that's, and they're even thinking maybe colic problems. So that you should always put their bucket on the ground, even grain, because that's the way they're made to eat.
1: So this is interesting because, um, Obviously, there's a problem with putting a bucket that is lower than where we usually hang them. You know, we usually right. hang our buckets around four feet, right? At the around the around the three and a half to four foot mark, uh, so that they don't get a foot caught in it. Which is usually right. That's, right. What we try to do, so that's not the ideal place. You can't put it lower because they will get all kinds of wrapped up in it. But so, you don't the only have to worry about
0: this one because they get their foot in it, it just will, it just moves. <laughs> no,
1: I don't, I don't typically worry too much about it because, um, well, at least Brody doesn't eat that much grain at all. He gets just a few sprinkles to keep him happy. Um, so he doesn't spend a whole lot of time with his face in a bucket. However, Dog Dog, who doesn't have a lot of, you know, he doesn't have, um, grinding any grinding space left in his teeth so his his feed he gets soaked off alfalfa cubes and then he gets a senior grain that is also soaked so he does spend a lot of time eating um, at shoulder height you would say so you can can you put wet mushy stuff in this? Oh as well? yeah
0: we use we use uh, beet pulp and you know we make soup out of it basically and and the neat part about this is is because of the lip even with a soupy consistency if mm-hmm. they knock it over the lip holds it in. So it just falls it. back down to the bottom of the bucket because the thing pops up, uh, and there they actually have a a place on it that you that's marked that if you want to drain the bucket, like if you have water in it like we do all the time with our rain down here, and we just yeah. leave this out. Yeah. So you can actually, it tells you right where you can drill holes, if you, and it's at the top, and you just pour it, and all the water comes out. It goes under the lip and out the bucket. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like the uh, emergency valve you have on your sinks. If your sink fills up, it'll go out that emergency valve instead of spilling all over your floor. Yeah, yeah. It's the same way here. So it's It's an ingenious design. The, I know the lady worked on this for like four years. And the way it's molded, there's no rough edges. It's all roundy, roundy. i got to tell you, it's really cool. It's about the price of a high-end bucket. The higher-end buckets will go in the 60 to $80 range. Yeah. And that's what this is going to be. But the way it's designed, I don't think you're going to need another one. And you eliminate the problem of wasted feed. Uh, You know, I I don't know. I really, really like this. It's called the Rocking Horse uh, Feeder. It's rockinghorsefeeders.com. Right now, it's just for mail order. You have to have have it shipped. Right. Um, right. So take a look at that. Uh, But I think that, you know, instead of, you're just going to buy one of these. And how often do you buy them? Not very often. So uh, if you, you know, I would say I would not leave this in a stall. I would feed them, take it out of the stall. You know, I wouldn't leave it in the stall. Uh, But if you're outside, you know, we just leave it out. So, you know, ours get fed in the paddock. We just leave it out. But in a stall, I would take it out of the stall. But again, you don't, if they spill their feed in the stall, it's going into the bedding. And you're losing even more feed in the stall if if you feed them on the ground in one of those rubber buckets or something. And even so, they're always dribbling it everywhere, right? Well, this, they tend to not do that as much. So, I don't know. I kind of liked it. Uh, it's approved by, uh, it's scooter approved.
1: So you have it in there for scooter now or you're going to try it?
0: No, no, sure? we've been trying, we've been using it last week.
1: Okay. Yeah, we're going to well, order another one for beaker. He's okay with it?
0: Yeah, we're going to order another one with, for beaker because for beaker. Uh, we liked it so much. What yeah. does
1: beaker get for uh Same for thing. Meals? We,
0: we get beet pulp and we mix it with alfalfa cubes. So, and then his supplements go in, in that and we, we mix it in. So it's a very, very wet mixture. Yep. And it's perfect for that. Yeah, mm. and they're pretty large, so you don't have to worry about a quantity. You're gonna, you'll be able to put a quantity of in, in here. Right. So, you know, I don't know. I liked it. We're going to order another one for, for both our horses and be done with it. Uh, no more wasted feed.
1: Yeah. Well, that's I'm it,
0: rockinghorsefeeders.com. Check it out, everybody. Brand new to the market. I mean, just brand new to the market. You know, they're hearing about it here first. And they're having a sale right now in the month of January uh, for 58 bucks, And then plus shipping, you can have it delivered to your house. I like it. And it says it will stand up to minus 40 degrees, too. So if you're in cold, you don't have to worry about that either, unless you're okay. in Alaska then you might have to worry.
1: I love it. I just, I think it's such an awesome idea.
0: It is. I don't know why why it's been around before, but apparently the lady worked a long time getting the, the thing. How did you find
1: out about that? She
0: wrote to me and said, you got to try my feeder. I said, well, send me one and we'll give it a try. And yeah, I said, I got the pony that can test it. So there you go. Sounds good. All right. Well, that's going to be it for today's show. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you being here. And uh, Helena can be found at?
1: Uh, you can find me while working my little tushy off. Uh, we, are, we have a couple of new clients, but we're looking for more. I'm at sparkleandboom.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Just search for Sparkle and Boom. Uh, you can go to my website, sparkleandboom.com. And if you are in the industry, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Oh,
0: very cool. And for details LinkedIn's one of those I always forget about till somebody sends me a request. You know, yeah. I kind of it's, it's that stepchild of social media.
1: It's 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 totally for work stuff, you know. So if you are and there's a lot of equestrian professionals up there, actually. I know, a lot. Yeah. So it's a great way to um to just stay connected. It's a little less social than Facebook or Instagram, but I think it's essential. So and we're up there.
0: I like it too because uh, if we need if we're trying to find a guest, uh, it's a great way to find them. Absolutely, yeah. On LinkedIn, LinkedIn search is almost easier than Facebook's. So, yes. yeah. For details about today's show, go to StableScoop.com, and you can get the HRN app at iOS or Android phone. Just search for Horse Radio Network. Listen to the show while you're cleaning stalls or feeding your horse in their new fancy wobbly wibbly bucket.
1: I like it. <laughs> Weebles. I want to call it the Weeble bucket. Yes, I wonder but you can't. Geez. I'm sure that's like: Yeah, that's probably like uh, trademark Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Weebles wobble, but they won't fall down. They
1: won't fall down. I should have had right. that music
0: oh. Yeah. I, I should have had that while we were doing this. Anyway, thanks to our sponsors, Uncle Jimmy's. We love Uncle Jimmy's. And I wanted to mention to everybody that I'm going to be heading to Ada next week, next weekend. So we'll be uh, finding lots of new products over the next uh, couple of months here on Stable Scoop. I'll record a bunch while I'm at Ada. Take
4: and of course, pictures. And, of
0: course, there's been a blizzard in the Northeast. And that's why know, I'm that's, not going
1: this year.
0: <laughs> Every time I go, there's a foot of snow on the ground.
1: Oh. Well, for details about today's show, go to stablescoop.com. We post pictures and links and more information about our guests. And did you know that you can get the HRN app? Hey, I just app? said all that. What?
0: I just said all that. You did? Yeah, we were we're, we're to Arby we Glen.
1: Where was I?
0: You I don't know where you were.
1: <laughs> honestly, honestly, <laughs> yes. you, you know what? You need somebody needs to come up here and do an intervention. <laughs> I it's not, I wish it was funny. It's kind of funny. But not. <laughs> I'm sitting here with the show notes up. I'm listening to you talk. That shows
0: you how much she listens to me. Uh, just like my I wife. I do listen to I, like, you. I like have 12 wives. That's what, It is like I have 12 wives. Do you know that?
1: Glenn, no, it's been like this all day, actually. It's, there's something in the ethos. You it's need been some like wine. You need some I wine. I walked into the door. I went to work out early this morning. I went to Zumba. I walked into the door. I tripped over a mat. I almost got hit by a UPS truck. My brain is like, it cannot... It can't focus. I don't know what's happening.
0: Say goodbye, Helena. (laughs)
1: The uh, the question is, the way the script goes is, are we done, Glenn? I'm going to start out with, thank God we're done, Glenn.
0: (laughs) That's it, Helena.
1: (laughs) We will have more next week. Until then, thank you again for joining us and happy scooping.